Okay, there's a really interesting lawsuit that has been launched south of the border involving Canada's Lululemon, who, of course, there are suppliers to our Olympic team coming up for the Winter Olympics in the next couple of months. But uh, Lululemon is suing Peloton. So what is going on between these two fitness titans? Let's ask lawyer Alexander Goranin, who joins us now here on Global News Radio. Alexander, good afternoon. Appreciate you joining us. It's my pleasure, Jeff. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Uh, what's going on here? Why is Lululemon taking on Peloton? Essentially, Lululemon thinks that Peloton has been ripping off all their great ideas. There's a little bit of a backstory here. And so uh, what it looks like, according to the complaints, is that Lululemon and Peloton actually had a partnership uh, going back to 2016, where uh, Peloton was uh getting uh, a product, you know, bras and pants from uh, Lululemon and then co-branding it. So putting uh, Peloton's logos with permission uh, alongside the Lululemon uh, logos. And then earlier this year, the two had a falling out. Uh, Peloton launched its own brand. And Lululemon believes that the, uh, those clothing designs, primarily dealing with sports bras and pants, are uh, knockoffs that violate certain design patent rights and, and trade address or trademark rights. Okay, so give us, as a trial lawyer, your opinion on just how easy or tough this is to prove in a court of law, because, I mean, there's so many companies, right? Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, the list goes on and on, that make athletic apparel. How does Lululemon prove that what Peloton has done, you know, directly rips them off or takes away from uh, their intellectual property? Well, you hit, you hit it right on the head. This is, over the last 10 years, uh, been an, a, a really growing area of uh, intellectual property law uh, in terms of design patent infringement. So the test, and this is primarily a design patent uh, case, the test is what's called the ordinary observer test. So you look for uh, an individual, like a buyer of Lululemon products and Peloton products, or a designer, um, and you ask them if you compare the uh, Lululemon design side by side with the Peloton design, would uh, they look substantially similar? Would one be, would, the, would that ordinary observer uh, be confused into thinking the Peloton design was the Lululemon uh, design? And then uh, to add an additional layer of complexity, when you do that analysis, you can also bring into mind other designs, other what are called prior art designs. Uh, that preceded the Lululemon design in time from a Nike, from an Under Armour, from a whoever. And uh, you look at, you know, uh, you, use, you use that to gauge and, and inform the ordinary observer test too. The key part of all that is it needs to be someone who has uh, experience with uh, the, the designs before. So I probably wouldn't be the best ordinary observer. I'm not sure whether you would. I think my wife and daughters would. Well, you know, I do like Lululemon, and I have several of their products, and they're really good products, but I'm also thinking of things like uh, Nike, who's got that drive fit technology, and Adidas has something similar, I think it's called Cool Fit, uh, or something, or Climate Chill, sorry. I mean, I don't know what the difference between Climate Chill and Drive Fit uh, is, but uh, I mean, that's another uh, lawsuit that possibly maybe could have been uh, launched, and at what point uh, can you say that uh, we were the first to innovate this? We put in all of this time, effort, and money, and you just can't, uh, you know, imitate us and or rip us off. Well, it, it all it all turns on the design patent. Um, there's also a separate trade dress claim. I can, I can talk to that in a minute. But 
what Lululemon has is six design pads. So they're printed documents. They have a picture of what they claim is their design. So for instance, just to take one instance, I, I took a look at some of the design patents. They deal with a particular ornamental design for uh, straps and a, and a way in which the straps sit one on top of another. And so you would look at that diagram, you would place it side by side with the Peloton products, and you would ask, would an ordinary observer think that these look the same? Um, now, personally, uh, you know, it's hard to handicap these kind of cases. I should say, most likely, uh, this will there will be some kind of mediation, some kind of settlement talks. I, I uh, looked up before coming on here, Lululemon's past litigation track record in these kind of cases. They've sued previously three times over different design patents. They sued Calvin Klein, Haynes, and Under Armour. All of those litigations settled relatively early with it within a year. Who knows what's going to happen here? Um, but uh, you know, I, I would think that there's this. There will be some. I, if I had to predict, I would say there would be some form of settlement discussions, some kind of business discussions, and we may we may not see this go all the way to trial. Yeah, how unusual is this sort of thing, Alexander? Do you think because? Outside the fat or outside the fitness world, I'm thinking about the fashion here too, and it seems like every season one designer comes out with some sort of hot new design that everybody clamors for, and then eventually everybody else gets on board and makes a reasonable facsimile, if you will, or something very similar because they know it's hot, it's the look of the moment, it's the trend. Uh, you're right. I mean, I, I and I think uh, these are not the easiest of cases to prove. It's why a lot of them go into settlement or mediation. But one thing that we can be sure of is over the last decade, uh, since about 2008 or so, there has been an increasing trend in terms of filing these kinds of design patents and claiming uh, trade dress uh, protection over this. And uh, in some ways, uh, just, just the fact that you're willing to publicly file a lawsuit sends a signal to others who may not be particularly well capitalized that you know, you're, you're one to that's going to aggressively enforce your intellectual property rights. Yeah. Is it a bit surprising that there isn't some sort of protection here for uh, brands and for companies, much like we see for drug makers? I mean, this is something we've talked about uh, time and time again during the uh, pandemic. You know, drug makers, they're protected for a certain amount of time, a certain amount of years. If they put in all the time and money in R&D, in uh, research development, uh, that uh, their product is uh, protected so they can recoup that investment before it can become a, a generic. Can you see something like that uh, happening, whether it's in fashion, fitness or any other industry? Yeah, uh, certainly. And I think that's w the existing regime that you have. And so when when you're a Lululemon uh, or a Nike, you look at design patents like, like here, you look at potentially copyright protection. So those would be like your fabric designs or clothing designs, the patterns that are on them, uh, the arrangement of different um, you know piping. And then you also look at potentially trademark rights or trade dress rights, which are adjacent to trademark rights. And what those are, are those distinctive logos or distinctive ways of um, uh, putting ornamental flourishes on clothes that, that really signal that, oh, this is a Lululemon product. And so in the past, one of the things that Lululemon has been, for instance, pretty aggressive about is the particular silhouette and the particular piping that goes on some of their, their yoga pants, along with the Lululemon logo. And they look for protection that way. Now, that, that is available as a conceptual matter. There's a separate question of as a practical matter, you know, you do have to go out to court and enforce this and, and spend the money.
All right, Alexander, we will be watching this with interest. Appreciate you breaking it down for us, and thanks so much for your time this afternoon. My pleasure. There is lawyer Alexander Gorannon with us here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think French fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.